This is The Radical Therapist, a space where we explore the intersections of collaborative therapy, philosophy, art and science and technology in a post-Freud, post-psychology world. Welcome to The Radical Therapist. This is your host, Chris Hoff, and we are now at episode number 83, and I'm back, everybody. Sorry for the fairly long break, uh, but you know, it's been an, an interesting year, and I am the clinical director of a community counseling practice and have had my hands full. I hope you understand uh, okay, today I'm very excited because I have one of my best friends, actually, uh, Elizabeth Armstrong, licensed marriage and family therapist on the show today. And we're going to talk about dreams from a kind of a postmodern, post-structuralist position. Um, how do we talk about dreams with our clients? And before we get there, uh, just a quick announcement. If you want a video of this conference, please go to my Patreon page. I do have a Patreon page. Uh, Radical Therapist, just search it under Patreon and you can, there's lots of, there's other videos and content and stuff. And if you're interested for the price of a cup of coffee a month, to you know, get some stuff, content from me, uh, I would love you to come over and be a supporter of my Patreon page. And also, there's a lot, several new videos up on the Radical Therapist YouTube channel, so please be sure to go check out the Radical Therapist YouTube channel for those new videos. I'm kind of doing a thing on my kitchen table every week, if you haven't seen those yet, taking on a different subject, and I, I think they're helpful, and I hope you do find them, find them helpful as well. So those are my two quick announcements. Uh, so let's uh, get to Elizabeth. Elizabeth Armstrong is a licensed in marriage and family therapist working in Orange County, California. Uh, she is also uh, joining the California Family Institute clinical supervision staff uh, in January. So we're going to be doing even more work together. Uh, and she's also a very, very dear friend of mine. And I've had the privilege of uh, actually supervising her and watching her go through that whole process and getting licensed and and just watching her turn into just this amazing clinician uh, with a full private practice. And she's just awesome. And you can ask, it's not just me, ask anybody that knows her. So um, yeah, so she's going to, and we spent a lot of conversations, her and I, uh, around dreams. And we've decided to do it publicly uh, on this podcast because, you know, in the kind of the postmodern narrative, post-structuralist collaborative therapy world, there's not a lot of talk, talk about dreams. And so we decided to have a public conversation about dreams. And hopefully, you know, you like what you hear and please uh, shoot us some feedback on all our social media. So without further ado, let's chat with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, welcome to The Radical Therapist. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh we have a long history, you and I, and you know we. You have the office next door to me, and we obviously are in conversation all the time. And we've been talking about uh, dreams a lot lately, and or, you know we've always have been. But I mean, we've been talking about doing this podcast for I think at least six months, at least. So uh, here we are; we're finally happening. And I want to give a shout out to Ron Finlay who wrote an article on narrative dream analysis that if anybody 
hopefully has access to, I can get it to you probably uh, if you want it, but um, that, that article kind of inspired us as well. So I want to acknowledge uh, Ron's work uh, that as we go through this conversation, but um, we've been talking a lot about dreams and we've been talking a lot about, well, the, about how the interpretation of dreams has a long history you know, going as far back as the Bible, and maybe even before then, I'm not sure. And a long history since the inception of our field, of course, with Freud and, of course, Jung, and, and then from there. But many narrative or postmodern practitioners have avoided writing or talking about how to work with dreams. And I think because I think because of the desire to avoid interpretation and prescription, of course. Um, but I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about this. I do, actually. Um, dreams have always fascinated me. And I think we've been talking about this for a really long time. And uh, we will often send each other, you know, this is what's happening in my dream. You know, let's, and we both look it up on dream dictionaries. What does it say? What does it say? Like, we're supposed to be the experts yeah. and we're not even the experts, right? And um, and I think with narrative therapy, um, you know, every time I'm even doing a consultation with a new client, I always emphasize the collaboration, right? I say, you're the expert on your life. And, um, you know, in my understanding of dream analysis really comes from like depth psychology and young and, and um, really positioning the therapist as the expert and then doing the interpretation for people. So it can feel really um, odd to try to situate yourself any other way. Um, and and I, I found it really fascinating how, and I thought maybe it was just, you know, more my newness in the field, you know, I've been licensed five years, but, um, or newness in narrative community that maybe there was a lot more out there that I hadn't seen. So I remember asking you about that, you know, what's going on with like narrative therapy and dream analysis? Because right. I have so many clients that share dreams with me always, even last night, that was another thing that just happened to come up last client I had last night, um, talked about dreams and uh, and how important they were to him and how they were influencing him. And I really want to find a way to um, incorporate my, you know, I'm not a narrative purist. Um, I'd say humanistic existential slash narrative therapist, um, <laughs> but I, I really enjoy postmodern practices. I find them to be really effective. And um, I, I want to find a way to honor those practices, like while uh, getting to talk about dreams with my clients. So um, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably why they've, uh, why I haven't seen a lot on it is because of that expert position, but um, this is a great thing to explore. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I think there's a lot of people probably very much like us that we're having a lot of conversation, having conversations, um, not public conversations about dreams. And like you said, we, we do share our dreams with each other and then we'll go look them up on, dream moods or whatever one of the websites and um and of course they have some limited version of what that might possibly mean but it's still it's kind of a jumping off place right but um but also in that vein you know in the ron finley article um which is titled narrative dream analysis towards a narrative therapy response to acknowledging people's responses in dreams he writes of two passive positions that this traditional dream anal analysis situates our clients and one, the dreamer is positioned as a passive recipient to receive the expert dream wisdom. And two, they are informed uh, they need to they need an expert to interpret these messages, kind of like us going to the websites and stuff like that. Um, do you have any thoughts about this passivity? Oh, I do. And I think kind of in the same vein when people initially contact me for therapy, that their their frequent experience with therapy has been, I'm going to sit with this expert and they're going to tell me 
what's going on in my life, what it means and, you know, what that's symbolic for, what's going on, like some kind of diagnosis and then tell me this kind of, you know, treatment. Right. And and I think in that same way, um, that really can, that this, this shows up with, um, with the, the passive position in dreams as well, right? That there's this kind of stock symbolic, you know, hey, I dreamed about a snake and it means these one of three things. Um, and I think very much about uh, inviting our clients in and that same way in narrative therapy, taking in cultural context, right? And all of the things like their values, a client's values, their beliefs, their skills, right? And, and how that's manifesting in their dreams. Um, those are my initial thoughts. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Well, and maybe this kind of leads into maybe some conversations about, um, you know, how do, what are alternatives, right? If you don't want to take the, I'm going to interpret this dream for you and kind of be prescriptive about it. Um, for our listeners, you know, I'm sure we both have ideas about this, but I'm wondering what are some of the alternatives to working with dreams that you have found helpful? Well, and this might sound kind of funny too, but I think that I've done a lot of exploration on really the difference between waking life and dreaming. Um, I'm reading the four agreements again right now. And he talks a little bit about, I cannot remember the author's name off the top of my head. I feel bad, but um, this comes up in dream in, in a lot of the, the literature that I read too, about like, what's a dream and what's waking life anyway. Right. And really what's the crossover. Right. Um, Zen, and, Zen Buddhism yeah. might have something to say about that too. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually curious. <laughs> <laughs> about that right so i I'm, I'm thinking about that kind of approach you know with if it is particularly like in my clinical work that if that lands on clients well as well um to really look at the dreams not any different than what might be happening in this like so-called waking life right now and um and cultivating the same kind of conversations and questions about you know, what they would name something and, you know, and, and map its effects and where's like their agency in it and what do they want to, um, and what are these, you know, values, skills, beliefs they're taking um, as they move through their dream world, just as they would through their waking world. And I, I uh, my clients enjoy a lot of, typically enjoy a lot of like journal writing and writing prompts and we do that in between our sessions. So, um, you you sent me something actually really fascinating. I thought where where uh, there was this idea of it, and it wasn't about lucid dreaming. Um, I don't know if people are familiar with lucid dreaming or not, but um, this that whole idea of, of you know you're dreaming right, so that you're awake in your dream and then are able to control what's going to happen next, right? Hmm. Um, but. I've really thought a lot about waking up and then, you know, writing what the dream was and then, or looking up the interpretations. And this idea was about writing before you went to bed, you know, and even if you don't know what might be coming next, it's just kind of this idea of scripting your narratives about what's happening in your life and what might come up in the, the dream life versus your waking life. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. And um, do you kind of approach dreams when they're telling you the story or the narrative of the dream? Do you approach them as looking for, as doing double listening, right? Looking for what values or preferences might be involved here or what, um, or kind of, um, yeah, just unique outcomes, um, problems that are showing up and how their responses to those problems are, are, are maybe not being, you know, more richly described. Uh, do you kind of do that same listening to dreams that maybe you might do? And I will talk a little bit more about what's the difference, but uh, if if there is any, right? <laughs> but do you do that kind of same listening? Yeah, 
I mean, it really it really shows up the same way about like what might be um, with, if a if a person has this dream, just as if they've had this experience in their waking life. Um, what might they? What language might they put around that actual experience? So um, it, they really do parallel one another. So I really would go into that same kind of double listening about you know what might this actually mean to you? What's happening underneath there? Um, what's what's the value? What would you, what language would you put around it? And where do we want to go from there? I'll share with you. I thought this was so fascinating that um, when I was talking about the the client I had last night, he was talking about how he didn't have the, the same dreams, um, uh, like thematically, but that he visits the same places over and over again. He actually calls them dream islands, you know, and had names for them. And so we had such an awesome, rich conversation around it. He um, likened it to uh, the movie Inside Out, and and if I, which I love that movie, I recommend it to, to all people to watch it. We're in that same way that character in that movie had had these different places in her brain that were these islands controlling different parts over and over again. So I thought that was pretty fascinating, too, because we could put a lot of, of, of language and a lot of ownership around it. Like it took out of that passive position of something that was his. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you were talking about this kind of is there a difference between the waking life and the dream life, right? And. Um, I am interested in how folks have been adopting magical realism uh, uh, while listening to different sorts of problems um, and, you know, the taking the position, the suspension of disbelief and and how magical realism maybe situates ourselves between worlds uh, in the liminal space with our clients in particular problems. But also, I think it's kind of interesting in, in dream life, right? Um, and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about how magical realism could contribute to our dream work. Yeah, I think this is this is interesting too, and and kind of perfect for the type of work that we do because uh, we really stay out of pathology and. Um, I because I, I always have that suspension of disbelief of like that's that's um that the things don't get pathologized as oh you're hearing that or seeing that or describing that that's you know some kind of psychosis or something wrong with you right so I'm always in that suspension of disbelief and I feel like it really opens up a lot of space to be with our clients in whatever they're experiencing and I can imagine that might have a little critique around it of like wait somebody's telling you they're you know seeing or hearing this and you know it's, you know whether it's it's dream life or waking life um you know is that is there something wrong there and you know and I really think about I ask my clients like two questions all the time no matter what's going on on, on either side of their dream life or waking life is is this causing you distress is this causing you dysfunction so if it's not um, great and and I think that really can open up um, a, a, a lot of room for that magical realism to um, really solidify people in in um, what they stand for and how they want to move through the world and their their dream world and their waking world yeah that's great, and I and I and I and I'm exploring more. Like I said, it's an interesting idea, Tim, and I'm exploring more the how magical realism. I know some people are experimenting with it in cases of maybe psychosis or something, you know. And um, I did, one of my favorite podcasts I did was um, oh, I'm gonna, uh, with Kelly. Oh, I don't want to forget her, <laughs> but it was around hearing the Hearing Voices Network and the Pure counseling and this idea like i had an early mentor of mine tell me one time that you know who's to say that it isn't true right and that is always that was even you know before i start you know studying narrative therapy and i've always found that really helpful and it's and my clients i think have really found me situated in that position really really helpful but i want to share a dream i had i did share this dream with you before but i i, I kind of want to share a dream i had 
and and how my therapist kind of talked to me about it and just maybe see where that takes us. But uh, I had a dream where I was on a boat. You were actually on the boat with me, <laughs> which is kind of funny, but we were on a boat. <laughs> and there we were, you know, near the shore, but there was all kinds of whales. And in the mix, there was like great white sharks. And there were there was like um, gray whales, and then there was killer whales, and um, and there was a killer whale going alongside the boat that had like a net, had gotten caught in a net and couldn't open its mouth. <laughs> and I noticed that, and I and I started to lean over the railing of the boat, and I was working with this whale, and I was trying to um, uh, take off um, the net from the mouth, and um and i quite honestly i don't remember if i was successful or not but i remember somehow sharing this dream with my therapist because i found it interesting it, it just stayed with me and like which sometimes dreams don't you know sometimes we have dreams we can't remember this one i remembered um because it was very vivid for some reason and my therapist said to me and she's not a narrative therapist um but she, and she was like uh she, and so she did so she stepped into some interpretation and she said to me wow, that was really brave of you to take that risk to try to help that whale. And even in that interpretation, I was like, I never, I didn't think about it that way, but it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> I had a moment and I guess that could have been turned into a question, you know, and I probably might've had the same response, but it, it, but it did land okay with me. Like, oh, I guess I did. And, and I think she was relating to this idea, which I think we all want to see ourselves in that way. It was relating to this idea of like, you know, that you're willing to risk some stuff to help and which is a way that I would prefer to see myself or, you know, prefer it's a preferred identity for sure. Um, so I don't think that that was that harmful. But, I'm, you know, we've talked about that dream and I'm wondering, like, how might you or what might you ask about or if you were to um, if I was to come to you with that kind of dream. The first thing I was thinking was that even though you had shared this dream with me before, that I'm not taking notes right now. And I always take notes. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be missing details. And and the funny thing is, is my mind does go to interpretation right away. And I, and I have to wonder if that's um, the nature of our relationship or that I'm, you know, trained when it comes to dreams to do that. Right. Um, that I will be, but I think I just want to ask you a question because I do do this with you as well too as you do with me I'd, I'd like to ask you questions about it and I always start with the how are you feeling you know yeah, yeah you do yep um how are you feeling like what 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 was the experience like um and and uh, what do you like what did the, did the whales represent anything to you um yeah I think I just I start the barrage of questions on, <laughs> on you because <laughs> yeah. always good so yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting to me too that this dream has stayed with you too. Yeah. That's also kind of standing out to me right now. So, yeah, because yeah, um, it was I'm a couple months that. ago. Yeah, what do you? I'm curious about that. Would you answer that for me? Why well, it stayed with you? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I be, maybe because I am trying to kind of figure it out because it was so vivid and there was a mix of danger and because there were great white sharks and. And then even like the killer whale, I, you know, I, I know they, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but they don't, you know, eat humans, I don't think, but maybe, maybe they have once or twice. I don't know. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I didn't view the killer whale as dangerous, but the great white shark swimming around, I did. And then, and then some reason, you know, gray whales, I think are very mysterious creatures to me and they were present in the dream. 
Um, but there was this thing of trying to, and they, you know, water, uh, ocean is like my play, my safe space, so to speak. I, I mean, I love being in the water. I love, uh, I live by the ocean. I grew up by the ocean. The ocean is, um, very powerful in my life. And so there's probably something there too. And then, um, but this idea that my therapist did, ta you know, did kind of insert into the conversation was, you know, that, uh, that I did take a risk to help. And I think that, you know, maybe that did line up with who I want to see myself as. And, and maybe that's why it stayed with me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that she asked or, or did that with you as well. And I, you know what I always think about when we have long relationships with therapists as well as I do with my own, that um, even when interpretation comes out a bit, it, when it's done also with curiosity, you know, sounds like this, is that fit for you? You know, or what do you think? You know, being in that collaborative space, like that it, it feels good and, and safer, you know, and I'm also, I mean, there's so much, there's so much, there's so much rich content in that dream too. Um, you, that the whale had something over its mouth and I'm wondering what that means and, you know, and means for you to. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. So this is the interesting dilemma. So how do we, yeah. yeah, like how do we ask about that without? Because there is like you know maybe something about that too, right? That we might want to step into interpretation a little bit, and how do we? Yeah. How do we? You know. Uh, yeah. Um, just stay really, really curious about what their experience of that might be. Yeah, and I think, I think starting with those kind of foundational questions too, and like you know, how are you feeling, and um, and that's what's interesting too in doing this with you right now because I think I'd ask you something and then stop, and you'd talk a bit, and then, and then we'd yeah, right, right, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, so it's safe to say that dreams are part and parcel of all the work that you do, right? And I'm sure that's not much different for many of the listeners here that they do show up in the work. How, how would somebody, uh, I guess maybe, you know, we've kind of talked about that, but do you have any words of wisdom about working with clients? I know you've had lots of dreams conversations with clients. I'm wondering if you have any words of wisdom for the listeners. Well, I think it's really important, you know, especially if you're, if you're working in this clinical context, that's what I've been talking about this way, is um, to not rush through it and dismiss it, right? Is that because, because that has been interpretation. I don't, I don't know exactly which um, uh, the years, but you'll hear that, that, you know, dreams are nothing but like gobbledygook, right? Just your brain working out whatever. And I think it's important to not fly by it, um, not be dismissive of it and, um, and, and really suspend that disbelief that it it's, you know, to be able to sit in that liminal space between, you know, waking life and dream life and that it could be every bit as important um, if it's important to a client or, or to a friend or whoever it is that you're talking to. And, you know, and I always say there's no like magic bullet for therapy, but there is, and it's curiosity. <laughs> if there's one that's close enough, then I wouldn't say it's curiosity. So I think staying with it and being curious, and um, and I just find that clients really like to talk about their dreams in a, in a general context. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I... And if people want some reference of that, how, how that's becoming more and more prevalent, uh, this, the podcast I did with Scott Miller about how psychotherapy lost its magic with a K, I think is a really great conversation about how people are beginning to go see, you know, psychics and tarot card readers, et cetera, more than they are therapists. And because we've become so dry clinically, right, and we've lost our ability to maybe suspend disbelief or lost our ability to situate ourselves in a magic realist realism position. So 
Um, so I think that's, yeah, very, very important. Um, uh, so I always end these things with a question that I ask before I ask how people can find you, but, and that is, you know, what's catching your attention these days, Elizabeth, what are you reading, <laughs> thinking about, what are you excited about? Um, oh gosh, what's not catching my attention? <laughs> <laughs> Chris done me a long time. I'm kind of a squirrel person. What's that? What's that? <laughs> Thinking. What's that? Um, I, you know, this year's been so incredibly challenging. I don't need to say that out loud for everyone, but I, I'll tell you one benefit is is been that I've been able to read um, more than I typically do. And right now, I, I'm reading um, Rob Bell's "Everything Is Spiritual," and I love that. And I picked up the Four Agreements again just to revisit some of those ideas. But um, that that had me pretty excited uh as far as reading goes um yeah yeah yeah. awesome and how can people find you elizabeth they want to reach out to you and maybe see what you're about that's right yeah so my website is elizabetharmstrongtherapy.com so really easy to find um and you can reach me at elizabetharmstrong at gmail is my email Wonderful. And I'll link the website on the show notes, everybody. And Elizabeth, uh, thank you for uh, making the time. Uh, we've been meaning to have this conversation for a long time, and I'm glad I'm glad you're finally on the podcast. I mean, you are like my partner in all things <laughs> like therapy, and you excited <laughs> to have you joining the CFI clinical supervision staff uh, in January. And so um, we're just going to be doing more work together. So that's awesome. So. Thank you so much for having me do this. As yeah. I've been listening to all your podcasts for so long, and it's just absolutely thrilling to be able to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thanks. All right. That's our show. Uh, hopefully you found it helpful and uh, can maybe take some of these ideas with the work you're doing, because I'm sure dreams do come up in the work that you are doing. Um, so yeah, and if you please, uh, if you would, rate and review the show on iTunes. Uh, find us on the social medias on Instagram uh, or Facebook. There's a Radical Therapist Facebook page, uh, Radical Therapist on Instagram, and I'm on Twitter. I, I'm suck at Twitter, but you know the Rad Therapist on Twitter. Go check it out. And then um, if you want some stickers, shoot me an email at theradicaltherapist@gmail.com. And of course, please share this uh, podcast with somebody you think might find it helpful. Uh, We would very much, Elizabeth and I would very much appreciate that. So as always, I'm Dr. Chris Hoff, and thanks for listening. (music) 